goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. And we do that every single week, sometimes twice a week, by sharing the stories and advice of those rocking it on the other side. This week, we interview Shannon Washington. She is a dynamic force in the world of advertising. Shannon, who has recently transitioned from being the U.S. Chief Creative Officer at RGA, is now embarking on a new adventure as the Global Chief Creative Officer at Gotham, a part of the McCann Network. So today we'll unravel her fascinating career path and fascinating it is, her insights into the ad industry and her vision for the future at Gotham. From her initial aspiration to pursue medicine at Howard University to discovering her true calling in the creative arts, Shannon's story is anything but ordinary. Her transition to a BFA focusing on photography, drawing, and design laid the foundation for a vibrant career ahead. We'll explore her early days hustling with various freelance projects, from designing nightclub flyers to creating album covers, which eventually led her to her first agency role at Carol H. Williams over in Oakland. Throughout this episode, Shannon shares invaluable insights on her career growth, the importance of being adaptable, and the art of building lasting professional relationships. Her journey through Different roles, including a significant stint at current TV that shaped her as an art director, reveals the importance of embracing diverse experiences in one's career path. So, lock in. This is a great one. Shannon is an amazing guest, super honest, and super fun. If you want to connect with her, uh, you can reach out with me. Uh, if you give this show five stars and a nice review on Apple Podcasts, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll make a personal connection uh, for you with Shannon or any of our past guests. Can't confirm or guarantee that uh, they will be able to talk because all these people are super busy, but I will try my best for you. All right. On with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as a usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. All right, Shannon Washington, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. How the heck are you doing today? I am good. Happy New Year, Gino. Happy New Year. It's been a while since I recorded one of these, so... I got to get back into to the groove. We're in 2024. Oh. You are. Yes. Uh, starting the year with the bang. Starting the year with the bang. Boom. I feel very sorry for whoever comes up with me. That's right. Yeah. Confidence, people. And what's, what's going on in your world? I see this background for those that maybe this will be on YouTube. That may be one of my resolutions to get the videos on YouTube. I'm so happy I cleaned my office today. It looks great. Wow. Uh, we're in my home office. Yes. Home office. I'm seeing uh, two of these weird lion things. Yeah, there's two lions back there, which I normally don't have in a place where they can be seen. They're normally like hidden over there. They're the Cleo down there. Um, and there's like a 
pencils, but you have to play like the game of because if you can't, you kind of can't see them. And then like an ad color, which I'm very proud of. And ad color, got it. Back to mate. I call it the mate tier. I don't know why I look like a tier, but mate tier. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. An ad, an alert, an alert. What was it for the agency or for you? For me, I was chief creative officer of the year for 2023. Yo. Yeah. That's a big deal. But it's, what's cool about it is that it looks like a Rubik's Cube. I tell you something. I Come, can you can you grab that real quick and show the camera? Maybe uh, I, I want to look at it. For the podcast listeners out here, um, maybe we'll have this on uh, YouTube. Yeah. That's awesome. Isn't it fun? It looks like... Um, Glad I did my nails. Yeah. It's really cool. And that's a huge award. Yeah. I totally like. I love that. I love the A-list is something I want to get my agency on. Uh, that's like one of my big goals because I do growth and comms for mm-hmm. Havas, Chicago. Yeah. So that's the dream. So it, I couldn't even go this year. It was so crazy. I was stuck in Barbados, which sounds like a dream. But um I couldn't actually leave the country because I was handling my citizenship there. And so I was going to try to like come back. I'm a dual citizen. I was okay. trying to like come back like really, really quick and accept it. And so shout out to Lucian Atori who accepted this for me. Um, and I had to explain to people that I'm not a six foot five black man. Um, but he did it so eloquently. But I, it's such a fun little thing to have. You got a lot of fun stuff in the background and I want to, you know, I definitely want to talk about how do you get to these, how do you get these accolades? And like, we'll talk about that, like in your career, maybe we'll talk about a lion win or mm-hmm. a pencil win or uh, the tier, uh, you call it the mate tier, correct? Yes. The mate um, so I know we can't go through all of them in your no. entire career. Uh, all your accolades would probably be here for centuries, right? Like, <laughs> or how great you are hour i don't know <laughs> so where do we want to start shannon we can talk about um i guess really i want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to the listeners if they don't know they should know but yeah like can you just tell us who you are what you're doing what you're up to sure my name is shannon washington um i am the outgoing u.s chief creative officer of rga and i am the incoming um global chief creative officer of an agency called Gotham, which is within the McCann network. Okay. So you got me in my swing week. So I'm kind of both. I don't know. When do you start Gotham? And a few, like a week. Okay. Gotcha. So when this is posted, you'll be, you'll be be a couple of weeks probably in at Gotham. So we'll maybe we'll have to like get a, like a quote or something, an update on how (laughs) things are going. (laughs) Um, but I'm glad that you're, you know, you're in this transition and you're, you're taking this time. So you were, are, were. I think kind of still am. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. RGA's chief Rick. creative officer and you're in New York. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where in New York do you live? I live in the very, very fun enclave of New York called New Jersey. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I I live in what I like to call like advertising West, 
because I feel like you get to a certain level in marketing or advertising and you move to Essex County. Mm. There's like an unwritten rule. Like you look around, you start making a certain amount of money and you're like, I don't want to pay for this for your third floor walk up in New York. Yeah. And you're like, wait, and then you have a friend who has a kid or something like that. And they go, hey, we just bought a house in Montclair. Um, I did not do that. I'm a few towns over, but I live in a suburb of New York. Which I love hearing about the, very the different. I love hearing about like the intricacies and in different cultures of different cities like that. Um, you know, I, I, I'm from Chicago, so I have no clue what you're talking about, but it sounds it sounds about right. Like, I agree. I'm like, yeah, totally. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about for sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's a part of Chicago land somewhere where everyone is just like, you get out of city life and you want to move, but you still want to have access. Yeah. You go North Shore, I feel like, or like, you go to like Winnetka, you just keep going North. I feel like mm -hmm. the older and more successful you get in, in your career. But some people stay. Some people stay in like the, the city oh, area ish. Yeah. I don't know. You've never been to Chicago? I don't. Oh, you have? I've heard a few times, yeah. One of my first agencies I ever worked at that was headquartered in Chicago. What agency? Harold H. Williams. Was that your first agency job? That was my, was Carol H. Williams my first agency job? It was, actually, in Oakland in the early out of, wow, like the early 2000s, yeah. How'd you get that job? How'd you break in and enter that job? Gosh, I, um... Well, I got, okay, so the whole story, very convoluted, but I can tell you, like, the Cliff Notes version are, like, the hustle version. It, hey, this is breaking and entering. We want to know how you got into this. This is this the hustle thing. version. Because, like, it's so, like, a number one, it was who I knew. And so, which has been, like, a big thing in my career and a lot of people's careers. But I went to Howard University for medicine. I sucked at it. Um, what I was very good at was photography and drawing and design. So I actually graduated with a BFA. I have a fine arts degree from Howard. So um, from medicine to a BFA. Mm -hmm. Um, I and if you are a child, if you are a first generation child, if you are especially like me, a first generation to go to college child. Um, you probably know what it was like to go to your parents or your caretaker and be like, hey, you know that dream that you had of me and being like the first doctor or like this major, like an engineer? I decided to get an art degree and my mom was like, I'm going to kill you. But she likes it now because I buy her nice thing. Anyway. How, um, did, you, how did you justify that? You just, you just did it? I had the backing of the now Chadwick Bozeman. College of Fine Arts. So um, I had an elective. All of my electives were in art. Uh, and it was just something that I knew how to do. Like I was a great, you know, I, I fancied myself a great photographer. Uh, I was the rule of thirds. Yeah, like I was very interested in design. Um, but the way that I was taught design at Howard was very old school. I was just talking about this on stage with Nick Law late last year. Like, you know, like I knew how to shoot posters, you know, and like design them and like set them by hand. And I didn't touch Photoshop or like Quark or anything like that. That's how old I am. And Quark? Yeah. Until very, very like after learning how to do things by hand and the cut things and, and all of that. It was still a very old school printing style studio. And so 
I was just doing them and I was just really good. I was beasting like everyone in the class, like critiques. I knew how to take criticism well. I knew how to respond. Um, meanwhile, in like chem and bio, I was just like falling asleep. I hated it. I was just like, what am I doing here? I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to hear nobody problems about their body. But I'm very into, but I still love medicine. I still love the way the human body works. I still love things. And I realized, like, I love the idea. I love the study of medicine. Like, I probably, in a whole other life, would go into some type of research capacity. I did not want to actively be a doctor, though, or a physician assistant. So, um, electives, you, you, and you, you saw that you were good at it. it yeah. Your energy was flowing yeah. towards that. A gentleman by the name of Winston Kennedy, legendary photographer of his own right, um, was the chair at the time. And he basically, I would never forget, he asked me one day, he's like, what is your major? And I was like, oh, like physician assistant, pre-med, and I think I'm going to minor in photography. And he asked me the same question like four times until I realized he wasn't asking me the question. He was telling me what the answer should be, which is like, you should be doing this. And I went to him and I explained to him, like, there's no way in how my mom was going to like support me coming out of, you know, Howard University with like just an art degree. And he was like, well, you know, I'd like to talk to her. And uh, Professor Floyd Coleman, or is it Dr. Floyd Coleman? I can't remember. Um, who was also there, uh, also another legendary Black artist in his own right. They talked to my mom for me and they helped me get a scholarship to the school. So she didn't have to pay for all of it. But I had, I had a work study type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. And how that connects to how I got into advertising is actually pretty direct because I still had to subsidize school because I had a scholarship. So now I had to pay more for school, not more, but I had to pay. I was responsible for more school. So I started hustling. And I designed club flyers. I designed flyers for every major nightclub in D.C. from maybe 1998 to 2001. And I mean, like, for promoters, for local businesses. And, you know, you get and you talk to people. And I didn't realize what I was looking at were, like, marketing plans. Or I was, uh, guys would, like, tell me, especially promoters, they would, like, say, oh, I want the flyer to say this. Or I want it to look like this. And I'd be like, who do you want to get there? And they're like, girls. And I'm like, I'm a girl. Actually, say this. You know what I mean? And like, maybe not have a crazy, like, King Magazine looking model or do something like this, a little bit more aspirational. And um, within that, I actually got connected to the independent music scene of D.C. at the time, which is really centered, like, around U Street. Um, which is nothing like U Street now, but like back in the day when you still had like the Coffee House and State of the Union and the 930 Club, which is still, the, these are like legendary punk, indie, hip-hop venues. Um, when I started to get into that scene, I started to meet bands. I started to do album covers, or CD, or CD cover. Um, I started to meet promoters. And one of those men, one of those guys, actually started a marketing company that did youth marketing. Fast forward 10 years, he becomes the head of marketing for a brand new startup 
um, cable network channel called Current TV, which was founded by Al Gore. His name was Carl Carter. And he was like, hey, I heard that you're looking for a job. You're in New York now. By the time I'm in New York, I'm still hustling. I'm still doing like album covers, but also I'm doing stuff at like Rock Nation and not Rock Nation, Rockefeller Records at the time, Def Jam. Like I had basically parlayed this into like I graduated college. Um, I got a Mac, I got a real job at a magazine called Foreign Policy. I got fired. It was they deserved to fire me. I did not do well at all. Um, but I'm still hustling, you know, and I'm like, oh, I can make it in New York. A lot of my friends worked in the music industry. So I'm doing a lot of indie stuff. Like I had like Dead Prez was one of my clients for a long time. Um, a bunch of other stuff. But this guy, Carl, we always kept in touch. And I'm like, he's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I guess I'll be a designer. I had no idea what to call what I was doing. I had no idea. I had no idea. I'm about 22 at the time. Advertising as a career had not really factored in my head yet. I knew what advertising was. You were I, doing it. I mean, in a I, way. I had to do it. Because in my mind, I work in marketing. I work in entertainment marketing. In my mind. Who also, but I also like doing books. I like doing magazines. I like doing, you know, I did a lot of stuff. I did. I just remember I did a book for Lauren Hill. But it never came out. That's a whole other story. Um, but um, he's like, hey, I got this job at this place called Current TV. You have to move to the Bay Area. And I'm like, all right, fine. That's what you do in your 20s. And I worked in the marketing department and they gave me the title of art director. Because they were like, oh, you'd be an art director. And yeah. I'm, Is that what the district? Okay, cool. Oh. Do it. Because I knew what there was to know about youth culture. I was connected to creative youth culture. Yeah. The language. I knew how to put concepts together. I knew visually what things should look like and how they should feel. And I knew my film references only because I just love the visual language of communication. But in my mind, I'm just a designer. I've been called a designer like up until that time, my whole career. And the idea of art direction, I actually had to stop what I was doing and study that. Like, oh, that's what this means. And yeah. there was a, um, a great director, film director that worked, that consulted with um, current at the time that really, really uh, codified what I did for a living. And uh, so, you know, you start to hear the lingo, you start to meet other people and you start to hear about agencies and like agencies. Okay. So. Well, you work at this place because right. when you're launching the cable network, you're working with different brands and you're on the phone with agency people. And you're like, you look at people's titles and you're young. You, you're not supposed to talk in meetings at that age. I mean, at that level or at that time, I'm just taking notes. But yeah, I'm taking notes to be a great art director. But what I was really taking notes against were like, who is in the room? And I would like try to figure out what they did and like look like kind of work their career backwards like what yeah. they actually do okay, they... like linkedin didn't exist yet we right. just built one we were just on facebook you know yeah. so like you're like looking at people's stuff on facebook and uh i uh, was like okay this is cool we launched the network it was crazy um and then there was a local agency by the name of carol h williams that was looking for an art director um and, and that I, was it's in the I, bay area i applied for it and they looked at my 
credentials and they said, hey, you're really, you could be good at this. And my first client, my first agency was Carol H. Maria. My first client was Pantene. Boom. Yeah. Let's pause there. Let's kind of like work at this. Let's debrief because you went through a lot of great stuff and I want to make sure people can digest this. Um, From medicine to photography to Mm -hmm. graduating and kind of this hustle mentality. Did it feel like it was a hustle or did you love it? Or is there hindsight bias? What about hustle? There was times where, you know, I tell people like, I feel kind of bad for young people living in New York right now because I feel like I was a part of the last generation where living in New York was sustainable. Yeah. Um, in the sense that you could afford to be poor. Um, you know, I would go to industry events, you know, and this is when the cover of a magazine came out. Oh, the release party of this. Da, 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 da. And I would go to network and meet people if you were my friends because we were all starting out, you know, like whether you're a junior designer or you're a marketer or you're a writer. But we would go for food. So it would be yeah. like, all right, we're going to eat at this party and then we're going to have free drinks at this party. And then I didn't care if they were pouring, you know, pissing a bottle. I'm drinking it. Like, that's how I had like yeah. my night, like my late 20s, early 30s. Um, but it was a hustle. And I say that because I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. But I, I, I knew that I was good at something because people kept calling me or emailing me or finding me or coming up to me and saying, hey, are you the girl who designed this thing or you did this flyer? I put myself out there. I made a flyer. It's somewhere in this one of these boxes back back here that I put up at coffee shops all around Brooklyn saying, designer, Shannon Washington, designer, or swash, designer, book, pamphlets, flyer. Swash was your name? The, yeah. The- and, um, I got calls from that, you know, like I had, I marketed myself as a freelancer and had no idea what freelancing was in the way that I think about it now. But back then I was a young girl, knew how to put things together, visual, and I knew the language of business. Uh, I had a great network of people who are now great editor-in-chiefs and you know, strategists or whatnot. But back then, you know, you're working at a music label or you're working at a clothing label and we're all poor. When I think about it relatively, yeah. we lived in Bed-Stuy before it got cool. Like we couldn't even have to be to lie and tell people that we lived in Clinton Hill, parts of Brooklyn. Um, so anyone listening to this from Bed-Stuy, I made your neighborhood cool. Just know that I mean. Boom. Cool. I love, I, I think... Like, it was a hustle. And so I say it's fun, but it was also like, hey, I'm cooking a pot of spaghetti. Yeah. You got $10 so I can buy some meat and then like split it between like three people in my building. Right. Because we were not like, you know, the money wasn't flowing. So it was a little bit of feast or famine, but there was room to also still be creative in this space too. How does this, I guess for the people listening, like, how does this story kind of like, what lessons can they take just from this segment of your, of your career story? Like, right. what, are the, what can they take away from this? Uh, I would think the biggest thing is, I would say the first thing would be, I had the privilege of not, how do I say this? I had the privilege of not having 
a very clear goal. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to do something creative. Um, and I had a lot of ways that I could do it. I could freelance. You know, I worked odd jobs. And when I say odd jobs, like odd creative jobs. So like. It was all in the same, like, kind of like sphere of influence, right? Yeah. You were still designing for, for different deliverables. Uh, I was, should I freelanced at Star Magazine. I freelanced at Complex Magazine as a designer. Like, I was still doing things to, to get income. But I would look around and be like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a creative director of a magazine. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And you got so much knowledge, I guess. It was like, yeah, it was like, because I didn't, I didn't prescribe to one thing in my head. Like at that age, I was maybe around 24, 25. I didn't want to be a creative director in the way that I am now. I didn't want to be a CTO. I didn't even know what the fuck that was. Yeah, I just knew that I wanted to create the work that I wanted to create. I wanted to be surrounded by people who understood me. I wanted to be able to pay my rent on yeah. my, without asking my mom. She didn't have it, but, you know, it's your last resort. And I also didn't want to wear a suit to work every day. So with that said, being in entertainment or entertainment adjacent, you get taught a lot of how to be a lot of things at once, right? How to do this, how to do this on the side and and whatnot. I thought I would probably tap out maybe becoming like the head of creative at like publishing company or something like that. Like, because that was really kind of tangible. And it wasn't, like I said, until I got out to the West Coast that I was like, wait, I'm doing this kind of wrong. But at that time, because I didn't have a very clear archetype of who I wanted to be, I didn't look at that time as wasted. I was very optimistic around like, I could do that. I could do that. I worked really, really hard. But I didn't beat myself up over what I wasn't, if that means. Right. Because you were still getting so much knowledge. Yeah. Like, so that was, was like, probably like, an amazing experience. The and then when the, when, the do- when the doors started to narrow or, or when you started to get that clearer vision of something potential, like within the, as an art director, I, I recall when you said the art director name was placed and you kind of, things kind of like got interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, there was a path that uh, it showed itself to you. Oh, for sure, for sure. And that that was it. Really crystallized when I got to Carol H. Williams. Now, and I met, um, I met you know people who I would. I met Carol, you know, who I was right. Wow, like. And then you started to study advertising. Is that correct? Yeah. And like this was your, your your next. This was like your route to go. And you had all this uh, knowledge garnered from the the the, the hustling and, and kind of bouncing and doing the freelance creative work, um, in in the entertainment adjacent world. Do you wish? I guess, and I I, I know the answer to this. You're probably going to say no because you valued it. But like, does part of you ever wish that the that door was revealed to you earlier? The advertising art direction world. No. No. And I say this because I came into advertising when I was around 26, okay. 26, 27. Yeah. By it's, that, great hear, it's great for everybody to hear. Yeah. Yeah. By that time, I had, maybe even later, yeah, by that time, 
I had seen enough in entertainment mm-hmm. and in mass comm type of marketing, like with cable, uh, to understand. How do I say this? Understand myself in a way that was super valuable to me by the time I got into this industry. So a lot of things did not scare me by the time I got into advertising. And so I wasn't put off by like bad reviews. You know, if I submitted some work and someone was like, I hate this. And I'd be like, all right. Like, you know, it didn't like ruin my whole day. Um, I can deal, I can still deal with like multiple personalities because if you're going to meet anyone, multiple personalities is going to be in the entertainment industry, right? Got it. Um, it shaped you and it got you prepared. And like, I had, I had a hard, um, how do I say this? My shield, my Roman shield, you know, the big mm-hmm. shield, purple thing was already there. Right. Oh, so I could kind of roll with the, uh, the, the peaks and valleys in a way that I don't think I would have been able to roll with. Um, starting fresh, starting fresh. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I think- and I'm like going back into entertainment too. Like I would, like I worked at Carol H. Williams and I went to go work for Puff and his quote unquote advertising agency, you know, like, like it, it, I kind of like stayed b- before I fully got myself out of it. And even that I would be like, I could deal with anything now. Like I have women do as a boss. Like I could do anybody. And something that I think a lesson here is like, Kind of like the consistency of like following what you're good at and leaning into your strengths like you did. And even if you're not exactly sure what specific route, whether it's advertising, entertainment, or just in within the creative uh, communications world, if you kind of stay consistent and and keep building a name for yourself and seeking out these opportunities, paths will start to reveal for themselves. For me, with, with this podcast, I posted for like, two years, two, three years until I got to where I'm at, where I now I'm like, everything's clicking and it all kind of built itself over time. But if I would have quit, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today. And I post every single week that consistency. Now I'm doing growth and comms for an agency, marketing the agency, because I know the ad trade journalists, I know what the other agencies are doing. And it it just like created the perfect opportunity. And Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that that's very similar. It sounds like that's very similar what happened in your condition. 100%. If there was one thing that came out of all those places, whether I worked there for a year or a week, um, I never closed the door ugly. You know, even when the situation wasn't good, you know, I always tried to at least, you know, grow my network in some way. And that was something that my mom taught me, like, leave better than what you can't like you know even if you're not leaving on the best of terms like be grateful when you do it and so there are still people that i interact with that i talk to that i run into that i'm like oh my god like we work together like 20 years and we have a great rapport and a lot of that and actually let me back up a lot of those people that i was hustling with in brooklyn some of them have become my clients, you know, at, at RGA, at, at Deutsch, at a few other places. And, or, you know, I will get on, a, this ha- actually happened a few years ago. I get on the call and I'm like, wait, we went, you know, we used to live down the street from each other and hang out at the same, you know, like bar. And, and now like, I'm about to pitch you business. Like, and I, and now you're going to have an advantage. The- and so like, it's, it's good to, 
to walk into every situation, not necessarily. And I tell this to young creatives, like, you can't look at everything as through a lens of like, okay, so what is this going to do for me? You know, and I see, I see young creatives do it all the time. If I work here and then I work here, then I can work at a place like this. And I'm like, uh, it actually doesn't really work like that. It's not necessarily even where you work. It's who you work with. Yes. Their yeah. experience like with you, because I don't care how much you want to go from A from B to C. If the people at A didn't rock with you, they're going to tell everybody at the people at B and then you'll never get to C. You know, right. they're looking at it as like, oh, I just want to work here for two years. I'm using this to build my resume. And I'm like, oh, that's all well and good. We all do that. But be present enough to be in the experience and build relationships with people and learn from things. Like I just had a major win right before I left RGA. I, I won TurboTax with my team and that work just came out yesterday. Congrats. Thank you. I would not have been hyped to pitch that if I didn't work on H&R Block at Deutsch, which I did not want to do because I was coming from Droga and I was like, I would have come from Droga. Ugh. But I'm going to go to Deutsch. Hey, I'm going to move to LA. I don't want to work on taxes. Nah. It turned out to be one of the funnest things I've ever yeah. done in my life, but it actually helped me understand why taxes is actually kind of cool if you are kind of into just like life and writing very life-based creative. And there's like, some great set. Like, of there's life. some really great tax commercials out there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just, like the whole point is to not talk about taxes. Like taxes, yeah. like in a way. And taxes. So you, there's a universal human hatred towards taxes. Well, that, but also like there's two people who are on the average American. There's two people who are going to know everything about you. Or three people. Your mama, your accountant, or your tax person, and your lawyer. Yeah. You know, yeah. the three people who kind of know everything about you. Like, and what are the two consistent things in every person's lives? Death and tax. Right. Well, when, you know, the RFP came, I was like, oh, we're doing it. Yeah. It's like, you're crazy. You're going to go up against Wyden and all these other ways. I was like, yeah, I know I can do it. But the reason why I say that is I looked at it through the lens of the opportunity, like what I could learn, like working on block, me being open enough be like, okay, this is actually kind of cool. I don't care what the client is. This is a really cool way to think about something. Yeah. Prepare me to do it again and get a major win. Yeah. So, the, so to parallel that back to what we were just talking about, I looked at it through the lens of like, how am I going to learn from this? How am I going to grow? And actually these clients are cool. Like I still love my block clients. I love my TurboTax clients. Like these are cool people. Yeah. Um, and it's great. It's just great to have these people in your network. That's really what's going to get you through to not even at my level, but going way beyond it. Like my experience, I've really enjoyed my time in a, in a, in an industry that shit, like wasn't even made for me to be quite honest. And a big part of that is because I've never looked at it through the lens of like, I got to do this to do this in 10 years. I want to be a CD and then I want to be an ECD. I was just like, I don't care. That one for my week. Cool. All right, look like I'm going to apply for this new job. I'm going to apply for this level. I've never done it. I think, I, you know, it sounds fun, but when I didn't have, just like I said, when I was in college, when I didn't, I, I mean, post-college, because I've never had this archetype in my head, 
And I looked at it through the lens of like, is this cool for me? I can do that really well. I can do that better than the person doing it. I'm going to fucking do it. Yeah. It makes it enjoyable. Yeah. And I, I can even say that from my space now. Like, I just, do I still work there? I still work there. Yeah. Like, I lead close to 100 people. And technically, like, not, I mean, my direct report is more like 12. But um, having seen it, I still, just because I don't, you know, directly lead, I talk to a lot of creatives at RGA. Like, like personally, like, they all knew I had very open Slack policy. Like, I mean, I get back to you immediately, but I get back to everybody. Yeah. And one of the more consistent pieces of feedback that I would give people is just like, release yourself from this expectation of what you feel like this is going to be like, because you're not going to have any fun and you can have a lot of fun because we do the dumbest shit in the world. If you really think about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we get paid a lot to do it. And the window that we have to do it is not big. Shrinking. So like, enjoying? Like, try to figure out how to enjoy it. Like, if I can enjoy it, like me, yeah. there's only like two of me still. Come on. Like, I can enjoy it. And I haven't enjoyed it all the time, but a big part of that enjoyment has been, I have never, ever wanted to be, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say anyone's name. I'm going to make up a, a, a made-up name. I've never wanted to be Greg Beresford. <laughs> love you, Greg. I love you, Chris. But, um, like, I've never wanted to be... Chris Beresford. I've never wanted... <laughs> I just connected those. I've those never, points. like, said, I want to do that. Yeah. I've always said, like, I want to have a really good time doing this. And I want to do what I'm good at. Right. Whatever that looks like. I love that. I get so caught up too in like the career planning being like younger in my career. Um, I, I had like pinpoints or like uh, milestones that I had timelines. Uh, and now I'm kind of letting go of that and having just more of a North Star instead of like, uh, here's where I need to be in three years. It's more of like, this is where I, this is where I want, like, this is the route that I want to go in this growth section yeah. of advertising. I just got into that route now and I can see myself kind of hanging out here for a while. And now I'm not too worried about the specific like milestones within this career route, but I did want to make sure that I got into that, to that kind of like to this growth and comms world. And I did that. So. Like once now, there, now I'm having fun. Yeah. Once you get in there and getting in there is a thing. Yeah. Getting in there is a thing, right? It's yeah. Not easy. It's not hard. It's not easy. It's like, I tell people, especially when they're younger in their career, like, it is the best time. Like, it is no fun. It's no fun over here. CSU world. It's not fun. And so, no. fun, but it's not fun. And so... You're going to have so, you have so much room to mess up. You have so much room to flip what you want. I can't get a job at a lot of places, which yeah. sounds crazy. But you're I, too I, high up now, right? I can't, I can't just say, I'm going to quit and go off and do something else because there's a lot that comes with that. So when I meet people who were like, oh, I just started at this place, but I really don't like it but there's this job over here 
that I think I'm really good for, but I don't know about applying for it. I'm like, unless you're working for your mama, like, see about it. Like, yeah, the time to mess it up and even be honest and say, hey, I don't want to burn a bridge, but I'm not going to be your best employee. I'm not going to be your best investment if you continue to rock with me. If you tell me that and you're on my PL, I will appreciate you to the end of my days because I'm like, thank you for not wasting my time because that is worth than anything. That's worse than bad work to me. So with that being said, like when you take those shackles off, I think your work gets better also because you've defined your space. But now that you're not so like heads down because you want to be this title. Yeah. And then the thing that no one really talks about is like they get that title and they don't like it and they wonder why they don't like it. And I'm like, maybe because you were just so worried about having it, you didn't really understand what it meant. I like what it meant for you and like, wait, maybe I don't want to be a CD. Not everyone is a good CD. Some people are just better creatives, you know, are like, I don't want to be a new CD. I don't want to deal yeah. with it. And that's totally fine. You can still make a lot of money and not lead an organization. So, but when you take those blind, when you have those blinders on rather, mm-hmm. it could be hard because then you don't want to admit it to yourself. And that's hard. But like, you only got one life to live. You're not, you know, tomorrow's our promise, as they say. So like, fuck it, fuck it up. I love it. Shannon, can you tell me about now, um, about the next role and Gotham? Because we want to make sure that people know about Gotham and, and to follow oh, you. And, and Gotham with a little G. Um, Gotham, little not, G. not the cannabis company, not the, um, let's see, wellness cannabis there's a few other gotham but gotham the agency so gotham is a really interesting story i used to work at Gotham. gotham is boomerang right that's what they call it boomerang gotham is my second real major agency that i went to in in the ad world per se and yeah i went there before i went to gray um i learned a lot working there uh i was a baby cd i was a Digital CD. That's how long ago it was where you they actually nice. like segregated these roles. Um, Gotham is an interesting place because it's female founded, female run for a long time. And I can say that I know the founder very well, Sherry. And she created, she essentially created the brand Maybelline New York. Um, it was Maybelline. She added the New York or they added the New York to it. They, Establish the look and feel of the brand. You know, they made the decision, you know, to really deep dive into fashion, which really like codified the brand globally and grew it within L'Oreal. So it's about, I think, a little over 30 year old, 30 years old is an agency that not too many people outside of beauty know about. Um, and over a year ago, I heard that, uh, or no, just under a year ago, mm-hmm. um, Someone said they're looking to, they're looking for a new leader for Gotham. And I hadn't thought about Gotham in years. Um, but it's looking not for a new leader. And I was like, oh, so probably going to be someone for beauty. They're like, no, they want to really invest and grow the agency into a boutique shop, like, you know, a small, nimble, you know, shop that goes way beyond beauty. Um, and that's just, it's, it's a smart business decision on the behalf of uh, McCann because big behemoths can't move 
the way that like a small, you know, a small place can move. So, so it's a subsidiary of McCann World Group Network. Then the McCann World Group Network. Yeah. And it has a different name. Mm -hmm. So then having a different name, it has that Maybelline, it has that, that the preconceived or, or like the perception of beauty. So you have to come in there now and expand upon that or reposition or lean into it. And then oh, no. bring it other. I'm going to say like beauty okay. is our heritage. You know, we have a great. Acknowledge where, you, where you've been, yeah. what makes Gotham, Gotham, then. Other spaces. Yeah. Right. And then expanding and saying we're open, we can help other, you know, adjacent or. Not even. As well. Yeah, not even. It can be completely new sectors. My job is really going to be, you know, it's still, a, it's a wonderful relationship with L'Oreal to fortify that and then say, where can we take this? And, you know, I'm a great case study in that. Like I worked in beauty for so long to the point where I got typecast a bit when I was younger, but I really like beauty. And the reason why is because like, look at me, I'm not wearing any makeup now. I'm not like a quote unquote beauty girl. But beauty speaks to people in so many different levels, physically, emotionally, and mentally, right? Um, it is also just a really fascinating industry uh, in the way that it cross that, you know, crosses into culture, crosses into technology. Um, CPG is always just fun. It's like fun to do to me. Like I, I've done every category I feel like I can think of and I like, I still like CPG and spirits. Yeah. The best. Um, and so when I thought about the work that I had done, right, that not might netted me the most awards, but netted me the most satisfaction. Sure. Um, one of them was beauty. It was Sephora Black Beauty is Beauty. And I was like, let me stop running away from this because beauty can't stop chasing me. It, yeah, it keeps calling. Listen to something out there. But it's not every day you look up as an agency leader at a great place like RGA and say, wait, I can do this on my own. Like if I could do what I did at RGA in three and a half years, four, almost four years, that is like eight times the size of this small place. What can I do with this small place? Yeah. Um, and I'm working with, I'm returning to work with people that are still there that I love. Back to our previous conversation, right? And um, that I kept, you know, great relationships with. and. I also love the fact that I'm standing on the shoulders of great, you know, lady creatives who built that place. Um, it's so many, so many wonderful people have gone through that shop unknown. And so one of my personal kind of like attractions to going there was saying like, one of the most successful agencies in this industry that people do not know about were female founded and, and ran for close to 30 years. And I'd love to be a part of the class that kind of like debuts it on a wider schedule. I mean, a wider yeah. playing field. And so I get to go hide for a few years, which I love because I feel like I was in a very public position at RGI. Yeah. I'm going to be more behind the scenes, which I like and hopefully and um, build this baby up and have some fun and take some of the best things that I've learned everywhere about being a leader, about making great creative. And I'm like, not only can I make great creative, I can make it a great experience. Yes. Or that's what I really want to build. And it's a lot easier to do that with 60 something people, 80 something people. Yes. Than 800 people. 
And so the red tape isn't there. And so it's kind of like a, why would I not type it's of thing? Fun. It sounds like a fun challenge. Yeah. And I mean, like at the end of the day, if I feel, I already told them, I was like, if I feel, I mean, just let me down easy. And uh, I'll go, I don't know. I'll go ask Greg for a job. Or you can help me run breaking and entering. I'll I can help it. you run breaking and entering. Um, I you will, can have it. I can. Yeah, I could be your good co-host. Yeah, absolutely. I, but see, the thing is, I wouldn't start interviewing people because my ADHD is so crazy. It would just like turn into like. You, you can have your own segment talking. where you talk for, you get the mic. I'll get in tangent. Yeah, do that. People yeah. will listen. Yeah, it's just like me screaming at people. I, I said, I, I tweeted the other day, I was like, you know, I am unemployed, so I am available to give people advice. And tell you are them, available, you said? Yeah, tell them things that they don't want to hear about themselves. Ooh, but that just, could be a good segment. You have to pay me, though. Not you, but because they can afford it. You know, not saying that you can't afford it, but I wouldn't charge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know how we got here. However, um, yeah, I'm going to go back to Gotham, which is going to be fun. And I'm going to build and expand on something that's already amazing. I have a great creative lead on my left by the name of Jason Moses who I adore already. And I have a great strategy lead, Shannon Carpenter. And we're going to build this thing. I love it. Fun. Great. Well, I'm excited for you and I wish you best of luck. I'm not too worried. I'm not worried. It sounds like you, you, you guys will be, you'll have fun. And I think that's the first part. And you'll create a great culture. You'll let the world know and clients will want to be there. Out, me and Lori, LNS. Boom. For you. 2024. Love it. Shannon, thank you so much. How can people follow you? Is that LinkedIn? Is there a website? If they want to like stay up to date on Gotham and all your dubs. You hear very, very unhinged reality TV takes. You follow me on Twitter because that's all I go there to do. Mm. Um, But uh, LinkedIn is where I am in Instagram and Shannon, you'll probably put it in the link somewhere. Um, our Shannon, but if there's one thing that I would say to anyone listening to this and you want to get into advertising, um, remember, just remember that it's not linear. I, I've had a lot of time over the past two weeks to like sit and read and like look at comments, things like that, which I never really have had the time to do. And I feel like there is a very pervasive sense of cynicism of like, this is bullshit. And oh my God, I hate this black boss. And ask why are they working so hard? And people are doing Yes. I don't even read it. It's a dumb surprise. It's crazy. Like there was a thread about me and I was like, I'm not going to read it. And then I read like a little bit of it. And I was like, and then I saw people like being like, yo, she's the best. And I was like, ah, but but. It's crazy how negative people can get uh, when they're anonymous. You know what? I have a lot of empathy for that because I could see why. Because we are at a space in this industry where a lot of things that have never happened before are happening. And you have a contingency that is freaking out. And then you have a contingency that is like, let's change everything. And then you have people like me who are kind of in the middle because we're at that age where we are kind of in the middle and we know where it was and we know what wasn't working. And then we know where it can go. And 
the thing that got me to where I am today was that number one, I had a, I had way more friends who worked outside of advertising and worked in it. So I did not have that echo chamber of like what's going on at other places. And so I think that helped me. But another big thing was I still look at what I do as like, I cannot believe I'm fucking doing. And I say this because if I talk to like some family friends, especially older family friends, I'll never forget a friend of my grand, uh, my great aunt was like, wait, you get paid to think. Yeah. There's money. It's great to remind ourselves of that. All you do is just like, you know, write something that like rhymes or something. And I mean, she was like, kind of like oversimplifying. Of course. But I was a little like, condescending, but also yeah, but, but, true. But in her mind, she wasn't being condescending. What was happening was she comes from a generation that frankly was not even allowed to consider that as a career. Yeah. You know, she's, Beyond, I mean, what she would, if she was still alive, she would be like in her early 90s. Like she came from a, or she came from a generation where unless you were singing and dancing, all this other stuff, we didn't do that. We weren't allowed to do that. And like being in the space of like business and industry or whatnot, being in a space where I'm very much a minority also, you know, for her, she was just like, wait, 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 wait. you're not an assistant. You're not doing this. And I'm like, no. And if she's like, you're not a mathematician, I'm not an accountant, I'm, I'm not doing hard, you know, what's always been taught in our society is like transactional yeah. work, right? I was trying to explain to her, I was like, well, I'm wrong most of the day. Like a part of my job is to like be wrong because I got to figure out what I'm right. She's like, you don't get, you don't get in trouble if you're wrong. And I was like, no, that's a part of the job. And so I broke down to her a, a script that I wrote that happened to be running at the time. And she's like, how'd you come up with that? I was like, oh, I was in my car and I was singing a lyric to this song. And I was like, wait, I want to feel like that. And then like I called someone and then we figured it out and we gave it to the team and they ran with it. And she's just, she was just dumbfounded. And it wasn't condescending. No, it felt I mean, it, but it wasn't what it was, was her being like, oh my God, that is a career. Like, and she said it the best. She's like, you get paid for it with your imagination. We should think about that. When people, when I see people like, oh my God, this place is, and I'm like, go back to basics. Go back to basics. I'm not an electrician. That man works with his body every day. Get shocked. I am sitting here, just sitting here eating cold pasta. Yep. Thinking about like, hmm, I wonder what the connection that could be made between, I don't know, like blue paint and how I would sell the, lip balm or some shit. Yeah. So like we're we're thinking about these like crazy concepts. And yes, it's hard. And the reason why it's hard is because we involve our ego. Yeah. We involve our soul, our ego every day. Every day we put a little bit of ourselves out there. And then you got a person like me who's like, uh no, don't yeah. think <laughs> and you get really offended and you're like, man, this place is shit. And da 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 and da 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 and I just have to tell people like it's one of the best jobs on the planet. And I think it's because I still look at it as an outsider. Like, I didn't know about any of this until I was almost 30. And every day I wake up fully expecting for someone to be like, oh, advertising, never mind. You can have it. Like, we're taking on all the way because you guys are just having way too much fun. Yeah. It's fun. So just remember that 
it is fun. I agree. It is fun. And I'm not saying it's because I have this big fancy title. I'm saying it because like you could be cleaning sewage. Absolutely. Or you could be an accountant. You could, even though if you were my accountant, Eric, um, you can make sexy. But uh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You would have to deal with all of our crazy asses and text yeah. trying to write off bottles of wine. And oh, yeah. <laughs> flaming hot Cheetos and say, like, this is a business experience. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out a way to write off this dog. Oh. Every day. You can't see him. But, like, every day I'm just, like, do something really quick on the gram and I could, like, make you an influence. I don't know. Like, yeah, like. It's it's a funny year, and I think it's special that I'd be, like, your first person, and not because I'm your first person, but this is also the quarter in which a lot of people are figuring out, like, oh, my God, do I want to do this or whatnot? Um, stay in it. We need more people. We need more people who look like me. We need more people who don't come from this industry. We need just more people. But, yeah, it's some bullshit. It's some absolute bullshit because you have a lot of people who are bullshitting. But if you could see through that and, like, get a great crew, it's actually fun. And then you can like get cursed out by like a 90 year old woman saying like, let me you get paid to think. Yeah. The hell is it? And you could go home like, damn, I do get paid just to fucking think. I, and I love it. Yeah. I, I, every, I said it this morning to a coworker, I got in, I always like to get in, I go in every day to the office and I, and he was like, how you doing? I literally said, I'm excited to work today. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. Oh. Sure, I'm excited every day I got a job. Yeah. But, but no, it's, it's true. And you know what is funny? I did something. Um, well, I can't. I don't know. When, my, mo- my mother will never listen to this. So I'll say this much. I did something that I'm like, I wrote my mom into a commercial. That's good. Well, you really? Yeah. And I'm like, this is why it's so fun. Because like, you could point at something and be like, I did that. Oh, yeah. But then, like, I know the feeling when she's going to hear her name in a commercial. She's going to be like, Phew. and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is, this is stuff. This is the yeah. fun This is the fun stuff. So anyone, you can get in contact with me on the internet. If you, if you message my LinkedIn and I don't respond to you for a year, know that that is normal because my inbox on LinkedIn is an absolute gamble. That's okay. That's okay. So yeah. just understand, do not take it personal. I'm working my way through it. I have a therapist. We're figuring it out. I love it. Shannon, thank you so much. 